But for those of you who've got a Bible, this is the NIV version, and we're going to read from John 20, from verse 1 through to 29. But Veronica, you can help us start. And I really love the fact that in that account, you have all this range of responses, some who immediately believe, others who are just full of doubt and questions. And Jesus seems to be able to handle the whole spectrum of personalities the people who are peter who's straight off the boat going call me i'm i'm on your i'm on my way and thomas who's like i'm not so sure i need convincing and it just doesn't phase him and i love that and i wonder which (laughs) where you would put yourself on that kind of like spectrum but it's just a brilliant account now i wonder if you've ever had that kind of experience where you are uh, watching a film with someone and you've never seen this film before but the person you're sitting with has seen the film before right and they can't help but just kind of like occasionally mention what's about to happen they has anybody ever experienced that just want to give me a show of hands anybody sitting next to someone who occasionally does that okay yeah they just can't help just because they already know the end of the story right somehow they just want to preempt it just give you a little insight and uh yeah, it, that's, it's, a, it's a bit of a challenge if you already know the end of the story. Um, when Sarah and I were first uh, married, literally on our honeymoon, we were renting a cottage somewhere, and they had a, um, I think it was a video player, not even a DVD player, which just shows you how old I am. And in those days, you couldn't stream anything. You had to go to, in the UK, what's called Blockbuster. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's heard of Blockbuster. Does that, is that not just, yeah? And you'd go there and you'd, buy, like, you'd rent a video and if you didn't get back in time, you'd be fined for it. And so I was sent off and I think twice that week I managed to, I just kind of like guessed. I managed to select two of the most depressing films you could possibly imagine ever. One of them was called Dead Man Walking. Um, yeah, Dead Man Walking yeah, is a story of a man who's on death row in America. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but let's just say it doesn't end well, okay? So, so you can be... The, the problem about knowing a story and already knowing the end is you undermine sometimes the power of the story. Today is Easter Sunday. It's a moment of huge celebration in a, the Christian calendar. But the thing is, is that pretty much all of us in the room already know the end of the story. We know what happens on Easter Sunday. We're marking it together. But because we know what happens, we become really familiar with it. We kind of miss the unfolding drama of what is going on. We kind of go on autopilot and we just miss what's happening. There's a, there's a story of, uh, of President Roosevelt in, a, in the States. I don't know if this is true, but I, I, I like to think it is true that he was a, an official function like he would have been on many occasions lots of kind of people coming from all over the world coming to a dinner and he would he he noticed that as he greeted people in the line they paid no attention to anything he ever said so he could say anything to them and they'd go nice to see you great work keep going so the story goes that on one occasion at one of these functions he decided to try something and he decided to say to people as they were queuing up that he leant forward to welcome and he said and he said to them, they'd say, hi, Mr. President, and say, hi, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And they would say, how lovely, continue with the good work, well done. And people after people were just ignoring everything he said until finally one diplomat, as he said, I murdered my grandmother, said, leant forward and said, I'm sure she had it coming. Now, whether it's true, I don't know. But sometimes we just go on autopilot and we miss what's going on. So this is the third day. When we celebrate Easter Sunday, we're celebrating the third day. 
But before the third day comes the first day and the second day. Before the Sunday comes the Friday and the Saturday. You see, on day one, day one, the Friday, is the day that the man the disciples had invested every hope in was gone. Crucified, murdered, just like all the other would-be messiahs that would have come through at that time. They had left everything for him, their families, friends, jobs, careers. Three years, it had been like a dream. Everything was going the right way. And now suddenly, day one, everything's dead. Everything's over. He's gone. And day one, Fridays, good Fridays, are the days where dreams start to fade. When hope appears to just ebb away. And those are the days when you have no idea what's going on. You don't know that Sunday's coming on that day. You don't know there's a third day coming. All you know is on that day, all the things you hoped for seem to be dying. That's exactly what they would have experienced. And if you know the account in Luke of, of the disciples on the, Emmaus, uh, on the road to Emmaus, you'll know that they meet Jesus. They don't realize who it is, but they explain what's happening they tell him about Jesus. They talk about how he was a prophet and how he was powerful and how they had invested hope and how this man had been handed over to the rulers and the chief priests and was crucified. And then they say this phrase in Luke, sorry, in Luke 24, it says this, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We'd hoped he was the guy, but obviously he wasn't. That's what a day one is like. And sometimes we go through seasons which are day one seasons where we feel like everything we'd hoped for was dying. And then there's the second day. The Saturday, what was that like if it was a Saturday? Well, what would the second day have been like? The second day would have been a day of silence. This is the day when dreams have died, but you wonder where God is now. Is God simply a figment of my imagination? Is he something I make up to make myself feel better about everything. If I create some idea in my head, maybe I can feel a little bit more comfortable with the fact that my life appears completely void of any purpose and everything I'd hoped for seems to have slipped away. Day two is the day, I think, when the disciples would not have known what to do with themselves. Maybe day one they would have mourned and wept, but day two, possibly they were simply numb. You know those moments when you should feel something, but you're just worried about the fact you don't appear to feel anything? Empty. Silent. That's what a day two is like. And sooner or later, all of us walk through seasons like day one and day two. Right? You may have already walked through one. You may be in one right now. I don't know. But sooner or later, the longer you live, you go through those seasons where what you'd hoped for doesn't happen, or you just end up not feeling anything. Those are the days when we use phrases like, I'd hoped for, I'd really hoped for a career in, or I was really hoping I was going to marry, or we had hoped for a family, but those are those kind of moments. Sometimes they are off the back of seasons that have been great, and then suddenly, bang, something happens and you're in a storm. There's an amazing story in Mark 5, if you know this story, and it's the story of Jairus and his daughter, and yet a woman who's been suffering with bleeding, and these two stories intersect in Mark 5. 
And the story of the woman is that she's been bleeding for... She, I mean, she's had 12 years of suffering and she has spent everything she has and no one can help her. Everything in her life seems to be dying and yet she hears about Jesus and she goes out in public even though she should be out in public because she would have been considered unclean. And she creeps through the crowd and she thinks, just if I can touch him, if I just touch him, maybe he can change. Maybe he can rescue me from my situation. And this amazing story of Jesus' power going out from him and this woman's life, suddenly, it's like this suddenly moment where everything changes. But either side of that story, if you like, it, that is sandwiched in the middle of a story about Jairus. And Jairus is a dad and has a little girl. Okay, some of us in the room, some dads in the room have little girls. I have a girl who's not so little anymore, but I can imagine what it would have been like with her, who is dying. And Jairus has heard about Jesus as well. And Jairus gets to Jesus and Jesus says, I'm coming with you. And Jairus's daughter is alive at this point and they are going to her. And Jairus must be thinking, there's hope, there's still hope. And yet right in the middle, Jesus stops and heals this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and at the same time, Jairus hears news that his daughter's dead. Like, if we hadn't delayed, she would be alive. <coughs> and it's pretty tough, isn't it? In seasons, when you're in a day one or day two, when everything appears to be dying, but you're watching other people get things blessed. That's hard, right? You're watching somebody else get the things that you most want. Whatever that, that thing that you most need or you're most dreaming for, you're watching it happening there and you're seeing it ever way here. And that's what it must have been like for Jairus. As it is with Jairus, the story goes on. And what you find is Jesus says, no, 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 she's not dead. Even though people laugh at him, he says, no, she's not dead. And there's this amazing ending. But Jairus has to walk through it. This woman had to walk through it before she gets healed. And sometimes we have to walk through it. There are seasons where there's a day one or a day two when what we'd most hope for seems to die and the things that we most wanted appears just to drift, drift away. And we wonder, God, are you actually there? What do we do when we hit a day one or a day two season? What do we do before we get to the Easter Sunday moment? What do we do? Well, the first thing I think we have to do is we have to mourn and we have to lament. The Bible talks a lot about lament. The Psalms are full of lament. It's where we just say to God, where are you? It's where we, God is quite able to absorb our cries and our questions and our concerns. We don't have to pretend everything's great when it's not great. Okay, I just think that's like a kind of veneer of religiosity, which I just don't think it's in the Bible. We have to acknowledge it's, it's hard. The things I'd most hope for are dying. or They'll see it appear to be going. We have to, we have to be honest. Acknowledge the pain, the sadness, the silence. No religious pretending, in other words. The other thing we, sometimes we have to do is we simply have to hold on. And not give up. Trust that the promises are true. Even when we don't see it. Or feel it. We live in a culture in the West where if we don't feel it, it's not true. Yeah, it's only true if we feel it. But that's not, that's not truth. Sometimes we don't feel it. 
but it's still true. And we have to grab hold of others. That's why community and fellowship is so important, because sometimes we have to lean into others. There are stories in the Bible, aren't there, of people who get to Jesus because other people bring them. They don't get there on their own. The guy who gets lowered through the roof is not going to make it on his own. Right? He needs people. We need each other. Sometimes we need one another to sit with us, to pray with us, to remind us that God hasn't given up on us. Sometimes we have to grab hold of truth. Truth like Psalm 30 says this, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. In other words, there will be a day where where joy comes. Psalm 84, For the Lord... Your God is sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. Romans 8 verse 28 famously. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. So when you're in the Friday or the Saturday. When you're in a day one or a day two. We remember Sunday is always coming. The third day is coming. And the third day, day three, this day, is the day when everything changes. When there's breakthrough. In fact, there's a theme throughout. This is like a motif throughout the Bible of a day three is coming. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll keep seeing hints and signs and promptings and nudges that there's a third day coming. Exodus 19, let me read you through them. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, concentrate them today and tomorrow, have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. In other words, there is a day coming on the third day. Joshua, who then leads the people into the promised land later in Joshua 1, says this. Go through the camp, tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you for your own. Genesis 40, Joseph with the cupbearer. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within the three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will be Pharaoh's cup. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. Esther fasts for three days before going to see the king. Hosea 6, verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Throughout the Bible, it keeps pointing, pointing, pointing. There is a third day coming. Even Jonah. How long was Jonah in the belly of the whale for? Three days. And as one pastor once said, Jonah's prayer would have been, God, let me go out the way I came in. You have to think about that for a moment. Okay. (laughs) And all of this obviously is pointing to the third day. All of this, if you like, is is an echo of what is to come in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. So today is the the third day. This is the day of resurrection, of power, of hope. But sometimes we mark this day in the midst of feeling like I'm in a season of day one or day two. 
what happens on the third day? Well, what happens is what looks like total darkness is actually hope being born. It didn't look like hope when he nailed his body to a wooden cross or they stuffed his body in a tomb when they rolled a big stone in front of it. It looked like everything was gone. But what looks like darkness is actually hope being born. What looks like disaster is leading to triumph. And what looks like murder is actually a sacrifice. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of the resurrection for all believers. What that means is this. Death is now swallowed in victory. Jesus' resurrection means that he is alive and that by his spirit he's here right now. It's not a game. It's not a myth. It's not a nice thing we do together to make each other feel a bit better about our lives. He's here. It's the resurrection day. It's a day of hope. And it's a day of power. I think Sock prayed it, that the same power that was at work in Jesus is now at work in us, if you're a Christian. It also means... That is the day of new possibilities and is a day of possible new beginnings. That's what the day three is. It means I can come back to God. It means that actually his life is now available to me. It means I can come to him and say, again, I want to follow you. Now, I don't know for those of us where all our different journeys are. Some of us have been Christians for many years. Been, there was a moment many years ago and maybe many moments after that where we have said to him, okay, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. I, wa- I want you to be Lord of my life. I don't want to be Lord anymore. Other of us, you may be here and you think, oh, I've never actually done that. Okay. But this day reminds us and means there is an invite to us. We can do that. Maybe if you've done this before, it's another moment where you say, if you've drifted off or you feel far away from him, this is another moment where you can say to him, I want to come back. For some of us, we've never done that. Maybe this is the first moment you want to do that, where you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe you're real. I want to turn away from all my own stuff. I realize I've got a load of stuff that's wrong, that's not okay. And I, I just want to get clear on that. I want to get... I want, to, I want to sense forgiveness. I want to get clear of all the shame of that. I want to get out of all the guilt of that. Oh, God, I want to start again. And this day is a day of new beginnings. It's a day of hope, of resurrection power, of new starts and new life. It means I can come back to God again and say, God, I want to follow you. I don't think my life works on my own. So, I'm going to lead us through a little prayer. And I'm going to invite us to pray it. Okay? And I want to invite you to pray this. You might have been a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I want to invite you to pray it. But you may have never become a Christian. And I want you to maybe consider praying this. If you'd like to. And it's a prayer of commitment. Or for some of us, of recommitment. And I'm going to pray it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it once. I'll read the first line then I want to encourage you to pray it with me and you can do it silently if you want you can do it out loud it's up to you but I want to encourage you to take advantage of this moment and this day so let me read pray this 
flight and you can pray it with me. So I'll pray if you like each line twice. So let's just close our eyes and we're going to give each other some, uh, some privacy. But we'll just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here right now. Let's just pray that together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here right now. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you for your death and resurrection. And that I can know new life in you. And that I can know new life in you. I turn away from my old life. Turn away from my old life. Please forgive me where I've gone astray. Please forgive me where I've gone astray. Where I have lived far away from you. Where I have lived far away from you. Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you. And I want to follow you. And I want to follow you. Amen. Amen. Let's just, in the silence, just have a few moments. Just between you and God.